You're listening to the Scottish Football Forum's podcast, Euro Special, the home of Euro 2020 banter. Hello and welcome to the latest Euros edition of the Scottish Football Forum's podcast. It's the latest instalment of the Englishman, the Welshman and the Scotsman walking onto a podcast. We've heard from an England perspective, now it's on to the land of the dragon as we speak to Wales fan Russell Todd of Podcast Peldroid. Russell talks us through the story behind his podcast, reminisces about Wales' incredible run to Euro 2016 semi-finals in France, how the team is shaping up having qualified again for the Euros and their chances of, progre- of progression this time round. Before we start, here's a quick word on behalf of our sponsors Manscaped. They are offering listeners of the podcast 20% off any products on their website. This includes the Lawnmower 3.0 razor, created for grooming both the body and groin. It comes complete with a trimming guard, a skin safe blade and is safe to use in the shower. To get your discount, simply go to uk.manscape.com and enter the discount code SFFPODCAST, all in uppercase. The kick-off of the delayed Euro 2020 finals is edging ever closer, so sit back and enjoy a fan's outlook on the big event. Part two of this uh, fan special, I'm delighted to be joined um, by Wales fan Russell Todd of Podcast Peldroid. R- Russell, thanks very much for coming along. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. Nice to nice to be here. Yeah, good. I hope I pronounced that okay because I'm not very good with these sort of things. It, it, it was perfect. Absolutely oh, perfect. Yes. I know my Welsh better than I thought then. So um, <laughs> just uh, t- tell us, Russell, um, how the podcast came about in the first place. Oh, um so we're not we're probably coming up to our seventh birthday we started in 2014 um partly my motivation for, for starting it was i you know i was looking for podcast content about the wales team about the national team and um and really couldn't find anything um and my you know my background in terms of work and career is is community work community development and that's very much a, a discipline in a sector where you know you 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 know you make you make do you 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 get on and you you know if, if things don't if things aren't how they how you like it you you crack on and try to try to improve things and you know work with people to do that so it's just kind of like applying a little bit of that principle I suppose I thought well why wait for someone to start one why not why not do it just do it yourself and um so basically, ran it past a couple of people. Did they think it was an, a good idea, or did it stink? And and basically, everybody sort of I spoke to encouraged me. Said it was really, really easy. So any, you know, I've always joked. Any impression? I like to think we know what we're doing now after seven, seven years. But certainly in the early days, any impression we we knew what we were doing um, was uh, was was pure luck. Um, we learned through doing, and then basically just um, added to to the compliment to the, the the group um another five or six people and um we tend to so, so i mean I've, I've done every episode but we've depending on work and life and babies and kids and all the rest of it it, it tends to be a a bit of a sort of like a rolling 
call a rolling cast from episode to episode. Um, and one of the things I wanted to do, actually, where well, I, I did have, like I said, I didn't have much of a vision or much of a plan. One of the things I, I did want to do was to get a range of sort of voices and perspectives and accents and fan allegiances on it. Um, you know, so in the early days, we've, we, had a, we had a Swansea fan, a couple of Cardiff fans, a Wrexham fan, someone with no club allegiance. Um, and so that was, you know, and from, and from sort of different parts of Wales as well. So that was, I thought that was important if it was going to reflect uh, and cover the, 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 the national team and to reflect the, the diversity of geography and stuff, really. So, yeah, we're still going. 100 and, I think we, we recorded the other night. <clears throat> That was our 111th episode, so um, I'd like to think we're still going strong. Still going, anyway. Yeah. Other people can decide if it's if it's strong or not. <laughs> you must be doing something right if you're still going after this um, period of time, you know, because some, some people can just fall out of love very quickly and um, get a bit bored, um, bored with doing it, but if you've been doing it for seven years, and as I say, our podcast before, and our podcast been going for ten. And I've been doing it for four and a half. Um, you must enjoy it enough to you know you want to keep it going. Um, we've, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, I do, I do enjoy it, and it's 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 great getting the feedback, and it's great having interaction with people, and um, you know, the odd sort of weird meeting with somebody I mean not this happened for a while obviously with no games um, or, or no fans at games anyway but people kind of come up and say, it's weird I can I can hear your voice but I can see your face I've had that a couple of times um, I mean it, it's it's kind of it's it's barely even z-list celebrity status I'm not I'm not kind of bigging it up any more than it is but it's that that that's nice and I've met you know lots of people lots of Wales fans who um, you know, I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have met had it not been for the for the podcast, and that's that's nice. Um, you know, the motivation is is I would say it's hard. There's there's tons we'd like to do, but you know, when it's this kind of very kind of grassroots media, I suppose, you know, we don't get sponsored, we don't get paid, we don't have any subscription or anything like that. So we've just got to find find the time and find the windows. And as I said, that's not always hard. Uh, sorry, it's not always easy. You know, with uh, with other work and family obligations. Um, took a little bit of break at the end of 2019, which uh, coincided with some difficulties for myself. And looking back, it was actually quite nice. It, it was probably needed to recharge the batteries and to focus on on on, on more sort of priorities in life than than uh, than what is at the end of the day just you know a, a group of mates getting around the mic. Um, again, I haven't done that in a physical setting for quite some time, but getting around the mic to just sort of have a chat, really. Um, as, as, as fun as it is, it, it was probably good that we, we we took a break when we did, or certainly I did anyway. Um, and uh, and I think we kind of found found the mojo again a little bit um, when we when we returned. Although sadly, then it was you know right on top of the the pandemic really. But um, yeah, maybe there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I think we've uh, there's there's going to be some fans at the, the we've got a, a friend against Albania just before the tournament starts and um, in Cardiff. And so it looks like that's going to have some fans there. So uh, touch wood, we can, we can begin to resume a sense of normality when it comes to the to the games. Yeah, because that might be your best chance to see the Welsh team um, as this friendly, because I don't think there'll be that many going to Azerbaijan, um, maybe um, Italy, but Azerbaijan um, back here is just going to be an absolute nightmare. I think most Welsh fans, from what I saw back in January, 
were cancelling their tickets when UEFA did this first um, refund process because it was looking at that point like there could be no one at that point. Well, I mean, <clears throat> it seems to be a different sort of story or a different emphasis on different elements of the story about whether you can travel and whether there's refunds d- depending on the week, you know. Um, I don't think fans have been particularly uh, uppermost in, in UEFA's thinking in all of this, um, which comes as comes as no surprise, I don't suppose. Um, you know, I think if any, which I think is a shame because if, if there's one thing that the, the pandemic has taught us with respect to football is that, that the game is greatly diminished without fans, not just without fans in the stadium, but it's the fans in the pubs beforehand. It's the fans on the coaches and the trains to away games. It's the, you know, it's the podcast, it's the, it's the fanzines, it's the program sellers, it's all that kind of stuff. Um, it's the meeting other fans at, 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 at games, you know, from, from the opposing teams and all the rest of it. So the game is greatly diminished. That doesn't seem to be sort of recognised from UEFA with respect to the to the tournament. Um, although, of course, I suppose they've they have kind of overly complicated things by by having a, a format that I'm not sure anybody was particularly enamoured with um, back in the uh, back in the good old days of uh, of, of pre pandemic in terms of however many cities it is and crisscrossing. I mean, the carbon footprint for this tournament must be off the scale, which I think is is, is problematic um, from that perspective. Um, yeah, and I don't know, Baku is, you know, a, well, yeah, I suppose there's, there's one or two other countries, isn't there? I think you guys are Kazakhstan, didn't you? That's a little bit further trek. But, you know, in terms of the, the sort of the established venues for UEFA finals and all the rest of it, Baku is about as, as peripheral as they come to the, to the continent. And, yeah, just 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 our luck to get that one. Um, but I think the last thing I saw this week is that both Baku and Rome are on. Is it an ambulist? The Foreign Office or something? So I, who knows? Who knows? Um, I've, I've lost track because I've written off travel. Um, I was supposed to be going holiday to Spain this year, and we moved it to next year. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's hard to keep track. The main one just now is Turkey because obviously they moved the Champions League fair, but Turkey doesn't affect the the Euros, fortunately. But I mean, no. as you say, even before pandemic, it was a strange idea. I mean, don't get me wrong. As a Scotland fan, I'm happy that two games are at Hamden. I'm not happy. I'm getting not to go now because of what's happened. But um, you know the. The multi-city, um, multi-Europe was always going to be a sticky point even before this pandemic hit. But now the pandemic here, that really should have went to just one nation. But UEFA, being UEFA and looking after sponsors, were determined and, well, the show must go on, as they're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, the sponsors are, you know, they're higher up the pecking order than the fans and that's that's long been the case. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything new here. It is frustrating. Um, I, I, I can imagine um, speaking, you know, as a Welsh fan from the, from the lofty heights of, of having qualified for the last one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, just getting there, it doesn't really matter. It sort of takes it, it's a bit sort of secondary, isn't it, I suppose, um, to, to a certain extent. Um, I think, uh, I think that's an interesting dynamic. I think if, you know, if, if Wales had, the broke, you know, in the way that we sort of broken our duck in 2016, after so long in terms of qualifying, if we'd have ended up with like two games at, at the Millennium Stadium, might have. Pro- I don't know. I wonder whether that might have taken the edge off a little bit. Mm. Um, the fact that it was, you know, having to, you know, get on board, you know, get on a, you know, plane, train, ferry, automobile, coach, all the rest of it, and, and to France, um, made it a bit more. I think I think a bit more special, but I, you know. I, I, Having said that, you know, a tournament's a tournament. We waited so long that, you know, if it was played 
played in Haley Park just over by me. Now that would have been that would have been enough, I suppose. So, um, yeah, like I said, that's that's from our that's from our lofty heights as of uh, of uh, of, of uh, recent qualification or more recent than yourselves, anyway. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're feeling now how you felt in um, you know twenty um, or twenty fifteen when you officially qualified. All right, we didn't have to wait quite as long as you guys did, um, no. but you know. You said your podcast started in 2014, so that's obviously come at a good time because that was when, obviously, you start um, the year of 2016 qualifying. And there was already, although you didn't make the World Cup 2014 as as near as we, obviously, because we were in the same group, there were build yeah. bots put in place. And like, with Gary Swede, there was signs shown, unfortunately, passed away. But Chris Coleman, after trying to copy speed initially, then putting his own st- stamp, it was before that Wales-Scotland game, actually, he made, the for me, the crucial step of taking the captain's armband off Farm Ramsey, gave it to Ashley Williams, and actually it embraced Ramsey even further to just let him do what he did and Ramsey, uh, Williams be the leader. And from there, you kicked on. Pretty much it, yeah. No, you've, uh, you've, 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 you've done your research. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much it. I think, I think both of those games against Scotland are, I would say they're the pivotal games in, in that kind of period, but they're up there. Um, Simon Church scored a goal against, um, I always get these two mixed up, is it Macedonia or Montenegro? One or the other anyway at home. And he was, he was, he was staring on the barrel at that point, Coleman. You know, there, were, there was a lot of fans. You know, Coleman out was a, was a hashtag, but, you know, there was a lot of, of, lot of that you could find. There was a lot of people who weren't backing him. Um, I'd say there was always a hardcore element in that because of his Swansea connections. But there was also plenty of people who 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 were uh, wanting him out. Nothing to do with his Swansea connections. It was just to do with what they were seeing on the pitch, um, and the, the the way in which we won both of those games, um, I think, showed that there was some fortitude and and in the squad, and there was a desire to play for the coach, and they were they were fairly pivotal games. Um, and I think they were the building blocks. And, and so for us, that 2014, the, the, the other sort of reason for, for starting it then, and, and it was literally about now, was because that tournament, Belgium and Bosnia were there, and we, we had them then in the, the upcoming group for, the, for Euro 2016. Bosnia were at their maiden tournament as well, of course. Um, and so for us, I think that was really the first couple of episodes. It was just a question of, okay, we've got these two com- teams coming up, didn't necessarily know a huge amount about Bosnia. Belgium at that point had beaten England at Wembley, I think, the year before or earlier that year. Um, and so, and because of all of the, the plethora of kind of Premier League players, there was a bit of a there was a bit of a fixation in the English media about this Belgian team, um, and uh, uh, and largely fulfilled that promise, I suppose. But we we just sort of decided to get around the mic and. Uh, and, and sort of look ahead to that campaign where we, we did feel we could do something because that's te- that, that squad had galvanised. You're absolutely right about Ramsey getting a bit of a lease of life without the, the armband. Um, he'd settled on team, he'd settled on a structure, but he'd also put a few other things in off the pitch as well, which, you know, if you're as nerdy about it as, as I am and a lot of other Welsh fans, it's in a lot of the books. Um, I've got, got a few of them on the shelves there. People go into this. His, his use of sports psychology, for example, um, was something that he, he, he that Coleman wanted to bring in. Um, but he didn't want to rip up 
what Speed had done, but neither did he want to, but because because he had such a huge amount of respect for the guy because they were they were mates. They they'd come through the 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 the, the youth ranks together and, and all the rest of it. So he didn't want to rip it up, but he wanted to respectfully kind of leave some of it, much of it, and part, start putting his own sort of stamp on it. Um, and uh, he's talked very frankly and openly about that. And I think a lot of people had a lot more respect for him after that. Um, and the other thing he did really, really well was that the FAW did some road shows. Nothing particularly fancy or glitzy. He was rocking up in, you know, Kevin Druids and in Porth Maddock, you know, relatively small towns around Wales and, and, and clubs. And he was having a chat with fans and Ian Gwyn Hughes, who you know, for many years for Welsh fans, he was a commentator. Great He's commentator. now kind of head of head of the communications, I suppose, and public affairs for the FAW. He was uh, sort of stewarding and, 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 and sort of chairing in, in, in an informal sense, those, those get togethers, but it was very much a way of sort of trying to basically bridge that kind of gap, if you like, between fans and, and the manager and, and 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 he's he's very he has a he has a very he is very charismatic Coleman, um, but he's a proudly working class boy from you know council estate in Swansea, and 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 there's quite a bit of humility there, and I, I think that came through, and it maybe it wasn't coming through when it was all through TV screens and through YouTube and through social media, and as soon as that began to happen and people began to realise his passion and his enthusiasm and his massive sort of respect and regard for speed and and the pride in the job and everything else you began to see it chip, chip away a little bit and, and, and fall away some of the, the, um, uh, the antipathy that, 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 that was there because there was quite a bit really. Um, and then, what is it, two years later, he's gone from, I would say from zero, but no, not far off in, in, for some people, you know, to, um, well, to, to, to hero and, and probably forever will be. Yeah, there's no question that you'll go down and, Oh, yeah. This is one off, if not the best Wales manager ever. Um, we'll wait and see if uh, other people do um, too better than what he did. But uh, going, going fast forward and straight on to the year of 2016, you know, just a tremendous occasion. Um, you, you have England, Slovakia, and Russia. It's not an easy group, but it's one that you must have felt confident. Did you go to France incidentally, Russell? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, think I didn't get to all the games, but yeah. It, it was. Um, I wrote something for the, the Football Pink, which I think it's still around. I think it's sort of resurrected, but maybe in a slightly different format. Or And they did it, and they did an edition, I don't know if you've got it, on um, on Scotland. It was a, a, a Scotland issue. Or yeah, Scotland. Edinburgh, I think, had that. Yeah, and um, I contributed to an article around sort of like an, un, an unrequited um, rivalry where, you know, Scotland, England, the old enemy, the oldest international fixture, that kind of thing is, is up there. Um, but that actually, we have a bit of a thing about, about you guys, um, partly because of 85, a large part to do with 77. And, and that sort of, that sense, but you're always a little bit more obsessed with the other lot. We're not as obsessed with that lot, maybe as, as you are. Um, and then it was just this, and then more recently, actually, we've had a bit of needle with, with the Republic of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of exploring kind of how some of these rivalries, you know, Ferguson used to refer to Manchester City as noisy neighbours, didn't he? You know, he, he much more had Liverpool in his sights. Yeah. Um, he wasn't that fussed on Leeds, but Leeds didn't, you know. And it was that kind of how, just kind of riffing on that a little bit, looking at, at, yeah. at some of Wales's rivalries. Um, 
And what, what bothered me a little bit was that there was a large part, I felt anyway, and a lot of other fans felt the same, that this imported Wales-England rivalry that I suppose is there when it comes to rugby isn't, isn't there to the same extent when it comes to football, but was kind of imported because it was an easy sort of headline. Um, I think it was helpful the way the fixtures felt that the England game was in the middle of the three. If it was the first, I think that possibly would have been problematic because it, the whole circus that just went with it, I think just would have got really quite suffocating. And, and, and I think just, it, it, it was nice to be able to, I, I suppose as well, I suppose what I'm trying to say is it was nice to be able to finally see ourselves at a tournament and, you know, on the world stage, so the European stage, but you know, it's got a huge global audience as well, the Euros. And it's us. And we don't have to be having, we're not having to measure ourselves against, you know, either that lot, your lot, any of the island, you know, that actually, you know, you waited this long. Yes, they're going to come, you know, they're the next game up and that's fine. But you do take it one game as it comes, I suppose. Uh, that cliche is, is very, is very correct. Um and so it was nice to be able to play a team that that basically wasn't, you know, one of the from from the UK or the British Isles or Ireland or whatever, however you want to you want to dress it up. And and that was that was that was really good. Um, you know, it, it was probably the least enjoyable of all of the games. Um, partly because of the result, but partly because of all of the circus that went with it. I think if any any fan will tell you that it was the it was the Russian and Slovakia games, in particular the Slovakia games, that yeah. were so much more meaningful, so much more special. Um, I mean, we even played in grey against England because they had red socks. I mean, even, you know, even, even at a tournament, England, they've got to, you know, they've got to make it about them, haven't they? But there we go. I know. We had to play in pink against them at Wembley um, because of yes. information. Um, but the, um, I, I, put some, I, I put some out on Twitter to, the, to that effect. I remember now thinking, oh, look, you know, what should be a you know, red versus white and blue versus white is now, you know, these rather strange shades of of, of other or other other colours in the palette to play them. It's uh, it's not. I know it's, it's just you for silly little rules like um, just because the sleeves. Like, I mean, you can tell what the body is. No, it's not. It's not about the sleeves. It's about the body. So you can notice the difference between blue and white. But there you go. Um, but it's interesting. You're obviously talking about rivalries there. And I've obviously spoken to. Um, Russell is born on this particular episode um, for the Lions podcast. I've spoken to a couple of English commentators, and you no, know, they actually want Scotland to do okay, but the feeling hasn't reciprocated. But when it comes to Wales, I mean, with you guys, I want Wales to do quite well, but I don't know if it's quite reciprocated the other way because of past events. But it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> um, well, that's one of the things I try to say is that you know, I mean, I was. Uh, I was about 12 months old when Joe Jordan did what he did. Um, I wasn't born, so I not <laughs> So I've got no, you know, I've got no personal axe to grind with him in that respect. I, I you know, wasn't at the game. I didn't watch on TV. I didn't read it in the paper, you know, anything like that. But you just sort of grow up with those kind of inherited um, biases, those inherited um, prejudices. I mean, that's that's kind of what they are when you, when you, when you, boil, it, when you boil, it, boil it down. I, one of my earliest memories... Of, of football is is watching the 85 qualifier at Ninian Park on on TV with my dad. Um, my father's not a huge football fan. Um, but I can remember watching that game and him sort of basically going, oh, there we go, blown it again. Bloody hell, bloody typical. 
Um, and then, of course, it got overshadowed because, of course, Joxine sadly died. So, um, and, I, and I can remember that. Well, I can remember, I can remember watching it. I can't remember feeling anything or knowing much about it, but I can remember watching it. Um, so there just seemed to be this association in my mind with, with um, you know, you guys uh, being there when we're sort of shooting ourselves in the foot. Because if you look at a lot of those qualification near misses, and Scotland went to blame for for any of them, uh, or for, for many of them. Um, there's there's a couple of well, more than a couple of campaigns where we should have had it wrapped up in the bag before it got to those games. So that that's that's ultimately what it boils down to, and that's when you kind of analyse it a bit more closely, a bit more reasonably and fairly. <laughs> um, you begin to realise that it wasn't all your fault after all, but. <laughs> It, you know, it's nice to be able to pin the blame on somebody else, isn't it, than, than yourselves or, or your association for taking it to Anfield because they wanted to fill the coffers and and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, there's a great line in um, the the Red Dragons book which uh, Phil Stead wrote. It's about the history of Welsh football, basically, and it's it's you know it's, not, it's just a bible, you know. Um, and he said it's something around uh, Phil. I think I can't remember if Phil was at the game, but he certainly remembers the game. He's old enough to remember the game basically sort of said it wasn't just the losing and it wasn't the manner of the defeat. It was realizing that Scottish fans cared more than we did about our team. And that, that was because the numbers in which they traveled and, and just everything that went bit, it mattered more to them than it did to us. And he said, that's actually the bitter, the bitter pill uh, or words to that effect anyway. And I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if, that sort of, like I said, that kind of unrequited rivalry is is um, there's a bit of that being projected onto that actually. So it's a bit of that sort of stealth loathing, probably a bit a bit much, but that 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 disappointment in ourselves is being projected onto onto you guys. Um, I'd like to think we've kind of moved on a bit now that we've broken that that duck. Uh, well, not a duck, but you know we've we've got that. Uh, what's the other the other metaphor? We've got rid of that albatross, you know. They're finally qualifying, doing it again. And frankly, we should have done it at the World Cup as well. I mean, that we we, we blew that as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think hopefully we can be a bit more mature and and, and move past that now. Until, okay. until 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 maybe we meet in the in the second round or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the final at Wembley. <laughs> if we can dream one. Um, but, well, but no, that would, mean, that, that would mean you guys getting out of your group for once. So yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, <laughs> one one step at a time, guys. You you must be loving this, the chance to come on and batter a Scott on his own podcast. <laughs> you know what, it's about the only thing we've ever really had, I think, to be able to um to to to, to use really. Um ah, yeah. it's uh that that must be that that may, maybe that's your maybe that's your sort of millstone, your your albatross that, that you need to to shift. Yeah, well we've well the, the thing that we've um, been labelled with is glorious failure. Um, because we get to them somehow find a special way of not qualifying, but at the same point, it's still failure. We're, um, we didn't get a group for a reason, and then we didn't get to a tournament for a reason. Um, and that reason is for Scotland, but we'll, we'll just need to see how we got in. But um, in 2016, you obviously got your group. Fabulous performance against uh, Russia in particular. Scraped a wee bit past Northern Ireland the next round, but then the big one, Belgium, the quarterfinals. Um, you know, you're one down, and most people are thinking, oh, well, they've had a good run, Belgium will go on and win this. 
and you don't have to turn it around. I mean, what a sensational night. What a sensational goal from Hal robson Cano. Where were you that night? I wasn't at the game, sadly. Um, didn't didn't, uh, didn't have tickets for that one. I mm. think... Um, Even watch at home with the pub would have been good, though. Yeah, well, no, yeah, I did. I yeah, watched it in, uh, in, in, in the pubs of the Black Lion in, in, in Fandaf in Cardiff, not far from where I live. And, um, which, which is actually quite a rugby pub, actually, um, but, but was absolutely round. It was, um, I mean, the Northern Ireland game, I think, was interesting because the, I mean, just an arm wrestle, but it was a necessary game. I think, I think it was good to, to have that match before the yeah. Belgian one. Um, <clears throat> if we'd have coasted, as it were, from the Russia game to the Belgium, I don't know. To have to have dug as deep as we did and, and to be sort of drawn into that arm wrestle with, uh, with Northern Ireland, I think, was, was possibly quite, quite, quite useful. But, um, you know, they, they hadn't, Belgium hadn't managed to score against us in the two qualifiers. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in the campaign that we had with, with you guys, um, they beat us in the opening game of that campaign for 2014 for the World Cup, but we snatched a draw over there. They'd been party mode, they'd qualified, they were in top gear, but we grew into that game and we nicked it at the end and, and Ramsey scored a terrific goal to, to nick it 1-1. And <clears throat> so in three games, they'd, they'd not beaten us and we'd kept two clean sheets. Um, so it was, yeah, one win to us, two draws in those three games. So it wasn't that we felt they were a bogey, we were their bogey team or anything like that, but uh, and we did afterwards. But it was that sense that we don't really have anything to fear here, and I think it comes back to this point about how because there was such a familiarity with a lot of those Belgian players like Hazard, Fellaini, um, Vermeulen, um, you know, Altevereld, Vertonghen, the keepers, all because of their Premier League status and playing for good teams, playing you know in Champions League games. There did seem to be this, I would say inflated, I think that would be harsh, but there did seem to be quite a lot of uh, praise for them from the English media, bigging them up, um, kind of ignoring us a little bit, to be perfectly honest, which was fine. Um, and so, it, 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 but we, we didn't feel, we didn't feel as in awe of them as the English media did, if that makes sense, yeah. because we played them three times. They hadn't beaten us. Um, they chucked a lot at us. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it wasn't like we we coasted through those games and we, you know, we only won the one and we we sort of you know snuck it a little bit. But in each of those games, we started on the back foot a little bit, and then we gained ascendancy in each of the games, albeit very late on in the first one. Uh, at home, in the qualifiers, we beat one nil. Um, uh, um, Rangeland heads the ball back. If you kind of heads back to his own keeper. Bale's waiting and he just kind of chests it and slots it home yeah. in the Courtois. They chucked a lot at us. You know, they put on the heavy, the heavy artillery that they've got, you know, with Benteki and um, uh, um, my mind's gone, the Inter Milan striker, Lukaku. You know, they're both of those up front at one point, you know, and it was the heavy gut artillery was out. They just ran out of ideas. They ran out of steam. Um, Azad was in Jazz Richards' pocket. You know, Jazz Richards basically retired from the game. He's knocked on the head. He didn't really, didn't really enjoy the game. It's quite sad, actually. But we, 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 we ended up bossing that game and you know, we did okay out there in the, in, in, in the goalless draw. So 
in, in the qualifiers. So we weren't in awe of them. So for them to go ahead and to be in the ascendancy early on, that was just going to the usual script. And then really from, from the moment, more or less when they scored, certainly in the second half, Lukaku missed his one easy header. But if we'd have won that by four or five, I'm not sure people would have could have argued hugely with it. They they just fell to pieces, really. Um, they've got a better coach now, mind. Um, yeah. I don't think Degreezer was up to much. He didn't really know what to do with all of the, the, the rich resources he had at his, his, Look, at his disposal. Sorry? I think uh, Wilmot, sorry. Wilmot. I always get those two mixed up. Wilmot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what? I got... Um, I got Asmir Begovic and Thomas Sorensen mixed up on the recording we did the other night. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to put it down to this, this, this cold another week. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was amazing. And yeah, um, y- you know, you just, you, yeah, it's just that one of those nights where everything just came together. Um, we didn't fluke it. We deserved the win. The goals were, were special. Neil Taylor almost scored again. You know, um, but for a brilliant save by Courtois, just yeah, just 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 perfect, perfect. I, I do wonder whether it'll ever get any better. <coughs> I hope it does. Yeah, I that that would be lovely um, for you guys. Um, obviously, didn't get a chance. You got the chance to go to the final, um, but unfortunately, Seth, you came up a little bit um, short. I think the big key in that game was Aaron Ramsey being suspended. I mean, a lot of people talk about how good Bale was, and Bale did have a terrific tournament, scoring three goals. But for me, the key component in your team was Ramsey. He was exceptional at tournament. When he was taken out that night, I think you lost your main creative spark to link between um, midfield and Bale. And, um, you know, Portugal done you. I mean, Ronaldo scores a great header for the first one, and you just ran out of gas, to be honest with you. But you can do yourself, you did yourselves major proud getting as far as the semi final. Uh, that's one analysis, or it's just because we had to wear grey. And it wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't a lucky kit for us. Uh, we never, we never won in that. I think the, the, I think the women's team won in that grey kit, but I'm not sure. And I think the under 21s have won once, but the, the seniors, men's never, never won in that kit. Um, so it was the kids' fault, but no. Um, so no, that's the reason from um, 1996. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it, it was really, really frustrating that, that Ramsey wasn't there. It was a silly booking that he picked up as well to rule him out. Um, I, I don't know whether you've seen it or whether Scottish fans will be familiar with the film "Don't Take Me Home" that was made about the Euros. I've heard about it. I've not quite seen yeah, it. Yeah, so on Amazon, uh, isn't it? Yeah, so Johnny Owen, who's from Merthyr Tidville originally, he did the Nottingham Forest film, I believe, in Miracles, mm-hmm. which is brilliant as well. And uh, Johnny had, had made this film, and I think one of the things he, he got right about that was that it didn't start at the Euros. It actually, like like yourself uh, uh, have done, John, it, it, it touches on basically the end of the, the Gary Speed era, as it were, and it starts with, you know, with his death. Um, so it's about it's about... You know, it's about a group of young men dealing with the trauma of that and, and the impact of that and, and and the grief of that and trying to sort of channel it into something. So it, it, it's it's that's the story. The Euros is the, is, I suppose, the platform, the stage that that story is allowed to be played out on. And and, and, and it's brilliant. And Johnny does a, an absolutely marvellous job with it. But what he's got is some interviews with players in there, some of the backroom team with Coleman himself. And it was only when I watched that film um, at its Cardiff premiere that Ramsey's saying about how he felt he could have influenced that game. Because Ramsey's quite a 
comes back to the point about his his um, his captaincy. He's quite a diffident individual. He's not a shouter. He's not a remonstrator. He's not particularly vocal. Well, you never hear about him in the press, in the news, between games. I mean, you, you just you just don't. He's just he's just a nice guy. He goes home. He gives money to wildlife charities, and you know that that's Dan Ramsey. You, you you hear very little about him, and you hear very little about him talking himself up in 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 that respect as well. But it was great because. My gut feeling was, and I know this is shared by thousands and thousands of the Welsh fans, was that, yes, he could have affected that game because he's a good player, but he was also in an imperious form in that tournament. He'd managed to be kept fit as well. So all credit to the, the, the medical team and the sports science team of Wales because, well, even though see the last 18 months, two years, he's missed far, far more games than he's played. Joe Allen, Gareth Bell have all had their injury problems. There was no hint of an injury problem throughout that, that tournament. In fact, the two players that we were worried weren't going to make it, Joe Levy and Hal Robson-Kanu, both made it and both played really, really well. So sports science side of it was very, very on the ball with that. Um, and you need that if you're going to play all those games in that short, intense games in that short period of time, which was unknown for us, obviously. So, it, 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 you know, he was in imperious form. He was in good physical condition, amazing bleach blonde hair, of course, as well. And he was, that stage was set for him. We all knew that in our heart of hearts. When he says it in the film, you're kind of going, yeah, he, he knew it. He has that inner belief, that resolve. Um, and it, was a, it really was a question of what could have been when we're hearing him say that. But a shout out to Ben Davis as well. He's, he's a critical member of our team. He's got he's, there's a little bit of injury doubts about him um, ahead of this tournament. He's a big, big player for us as well, Ben Davis. He was missed as well. Yeah, he's he's a terrific player, Ben Davis. Um, I think you guys need him to be um, fit for these finals, which we're also now on to. So, um, yeah, ra- the transition under Giggs and Page, um, you know, taking over from Chris Coleman, it took a wee bit of time to get going, but it then came refreshing, culminated in that victory over Hungary, which took you through. And then, I mean, that qualification was um, ended 18 months ago, which is strange, uh, but it's continued in the Nations League. I mean, after the, after the stop because of COVID, the Nations League performance, what was it, five wins and one draw from six games? No, that's pretty impressive form. And um, even despite what's been going on, unfortunately, with um, Giggs and his legal case, um, Robert Page has just carried on well. And are you confident that um, the group will be OK? It's a tough group as well. Um, I get that. But are you confident that Page will get the best out of them in the tournament, knowing that Giggs won't be there? Um, <clears throat> Page was Giggs' assistant yeah. uh, one of his assistants um, so there's continuity in that respect the planning would have started more or less the day after the Hungry game um, notwithstanding the uncertainty from the pandemic of course Page would have been party to that planning so there is an awful lot of continuity um, Page has been being the under-21s manager previously as well. So, you know, you look at some of the younger players like um, Ethan Ampadu, Joe Roden. Um, you look at some of those sorts of players, Chris Meppen would be another one. Page has been around while they've been in the, the intermediate kind of brackets as well and, and groups. So there's a lot of continuity. It's not like they've just parachuted someone in at the last minute. Yeah. Um, so all of that is fine. I think the FAW made 
I think they made, frankly, the only decision they could. So I commend them up to a point, really, realistically. Um, but they made it swiftly, and they've made it in such a way as to basically draw a line under the whole thing. From a footballing perspective, clearly there's going to be a legal thing played out. Clearly that will have an impact on you know, Giggs' uh, tenure at some point in some way, shape, or form. But the way they've dealt with it, it's been very, very clinical. And I think that that that's a good thing. What the media want to make of it in press conferences and all the rest of it. And if Rob Page gets asked, well, you know, you have a message for Ryan Giggs who's watching at home or you know, it, who knows, who knows how that pans out. But from, from, from the things that the, 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 the squad and the FAW can control, I think they've done really, really well with it. I think they've managed it very, very well what is clearly a very difficult situation. The other thing to bear in mind with them is that, and I think that we, we, we've become a good qualifying or a good competitive team now. Yeah. That's not always been the case. You know, you look at campaigns down the last sort of 20, 30 years. Um, sometimes it's been a couple of the dead rubber games that have put a, a, a bit of a gloss on the, the campaign. You know, um, you know, you're finishing, I don't know, third or fourth, but it, winning a dead rubber that's kind of giving you some extra points or something we've become a good team in competitive games really hard to beat and um quite resolute at the back which i think is a strength going forward into this tournament with what is actually a relatively inexperienced defense this defense is probably weaker than it was and it's certainly less experienced than the one that went to 2016 um so i think that's worth pointing out but in terms of the in-game management it's all well and good Wild Giggs was sort of on gardening leave. Him having him put into perhaps I don't know, but perhaps who picks which you know who's picked in which squad for which game and how we approach each game. What do we want to get out of each game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All in good. But when that whistle goes, Page is more or less on his own, notwithstanding Albert Steinberg and Tony Roberts, and uh, I think he's brought in Kit, Kit Simons, who again who assisted Chris Coleman. So again, they're they're not they're not. They're not going to 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 you know to the ends the of the earth to to bring in the the, the coaching staff to complement the team. Um, in those in-game moments, he's managed them really really well, and he's made some big calls. He's made some really interesting substitutions, and 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 touch wood, most of them have have, have come off really. Um, a couple of decent friendly results as well. Took a bit of pumping at Wembley, but you know whatever. That was a young team, um, barely even a B team if we're honest. Um, beat Mexico in a, in a friendly, drew the United States. They were both strong teams that we played. Um, probably arguably stronger than a couple of our Nations League opponents, with all due respect. So, you know, we've, we're have we in a good position. We're in a really good position going, going to do this. And they all want to play with Paige. He made a big call. We had, we had a, what I think has is, is, is been referred to as a, a breach of, of protocol. Um, and of curfew in the last camp, um, Hal robson Carno, who probably, frankly, should be old enough to know better, and then two of the youngsters, Tondo and Tyler Roberts, um, both sent all three sent home. That's not the call of a, of a coach who's worried that he's he hasn't got the players on side, or he, you know he might fall out with a couple of them. Again, that's a fairly brutal call that he made quickly, and he made clinically. And that was it, moved on. 
Lige. Um, and I think the consensus is pretty much everyone likes what they see. Um, you get one or two people that kind of say, well, you know, he, he failed at Northampton Town. Northampton Town and managing Wales at the Euros. Uh, it's, it's chalk and cheese. It's chalk and cheese. Exactly. It's a different dynamic altogether. Um, Largely irrelevant. Completely relevant, I would argue. Um, in much the same way that succeeding at the Euros like Coleman did and then going to Sunderland or going to China, um, you know, is, is a different dynamic. That, that's just how it is. It, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Some, pe- some people are meant for international management. Um, you know, I think Gareth Southgate is doing that um, with England. Steve Clark's finding that with Scotland and obviously um, Paige might ha- might will have it for Wales. Um, you also mentioned that um, your Nations League opponents weren't as, as tough um, as a couple of friendly teams you had, but in this tournament, you're going to face some real tough opposition. Obviously, Italy are an improving side, having not qualified for 2018. They're on the, on the road back. Uh, Turkey are a very strong side. You know, I was impressed when beating uh, Holland and Norway. Then they go and drop a lap which was random, but they're still a very capable side. And Switzerland, well, they've been qualifying for tournaments for the last um, 15, 16 years. You know, they're mm-hmm. very experienced um campaigners in terms of getting to finals and doing well at them so it's going to be a really tough group for you to get out of and how do you rate your chances of getting through um, in any of the three positions? Well a, a, a flippant answer would be well it's it does feel hard hard not to qualify given you know how many teams kind of get out of groups um that is a flippant answer, um, but I think there is something in it as well. Uh, I think, you know, we, we said on the on the pod we recorded the other night, which was basically us picking our our twenty sixes, uh, our squads. Uh, I noticed you guys had yours, and uh, I really liked what they did there. That was fantastic the way it was done with the, yeah. um, you know, just involving lots of people. I, I thought that was I thought it was terrific. By the way, um, yeah, as is Sunday, I think the twenty third, um, the. So we said the other night that I don't see a team getting out of this with with nine points. So points are going to be dropped somewhere along the line. Um, I guess it's a question of not wanting to be the team that drops the most, clearly. But I, I can almost see there being, you know, two or three, four maybe draws in that group as well. Um, I think the interesting dynamic is 26 teams squads, uh, 26 man squads, because... You know, last time we we t- took twenty three. Four of them didn't play. Um, well, now you've got three extras. That's a lot of bodies to have to keep happy and interested for the best part of a month away from home. And well, it's more than that when you the, the you know the, the build up to it, and hopefully going deep into the tournament. So, is there going to be a desire to want to rotate? It's been a long, difficult season. You know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So that I think is interesting. If if teams are looking to rotate squads, I, I'm not saying you're going to get weak teams because they're all good teams, but you're not necessarily facing the strongest eleven, um, or, you, or you're potentially not facing a strongest eleven in one or more of those fixtures. It's, it's a really it's a it's a fascinating one in, in some respects. But I look at it and I don't think I don't think there's. It, you know, Italy traditionally are clearly a, you know, a, a giant of the game, but they don't feel to me to be like the Italy of old, the, a, a tournament Italy. 
Um, but they're clearly improving and they're clearly, you know, on a, on a, on a great run and they're a bit more youth focused and so on. So I'm not, I'm not saying they're easy by any means, but we don't have one of the big guns who just steamroll of their groups. Usually, you know, your France's, your Spain's, your England's, dare I say, Holland's. So that, that reassures me a little bit. Um, but I think we've got, I think we've got a decent chance. I don't think, you know, I think, I think Turkey and Switzerland will be looking at us and kind of going, well, you know, there's Bale, there's Ramsey, as good as, if not better than anything we've got in our team. So, yeah, you know, for us, it's a question of if we can keep them fit. Um, that, that's, always, that's always a big battle for us. You know, we, we are, you know, we are you know, much, much diminished. I don't know. That's a bit harsh. We are, you know, far less a team when one or other of those isn't available. But there's also a lot of promising talent as well. And, and I don't know whether those countries are going to know much about Harry Wilson or Tyler Roberts. Um, yeah, you know, Brennan Johnson, I think there's, there's, there's a terrific player coming through there. They're not going to know much about Nico Williams, who I think is probably the one player I think stick my neck out now. If there's a player who's going to come back from that tournament with a reputation massively enhanced, it's going to be that kid. You know, he is, he is something special. Um, so, and Joe Roden as well, another one. I think, you know, this is just a player that is just got such self-confidence and self-belief in his own ability and what he can do in the game. And he'll be hitting the tournament fresh. You know, these, these are players are as, as good as anything in any of those other three teams, I, I would argue. So, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't be too, too downhearted or too lacking in confidence. And a little bit of tournament know-how as well, and that matters. So, you know, I, I expect Chris Gunter to go. Um, I worked out in my 26 that there were eight in my 26, who were there in 2016. Um, I think that tournament know-how is is important. I think that counts for something. Um, so, yeah, Hennessy, Ward, Gunter, Ben Davis, if he's fit, Ramsey Bale, Joe Allen. Is that it? Is that eight? I can't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not counting, but yeah, more or less it. Um, big, big players for us with that tournament know-how. And that, that, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, this, um, as you're right at the point, I mean, whilst at least Switzerland and Turkey might seem daunting, but they might not have, uh, those teams will hit well saying we didn't really want them. So um, it's, it's going to be a fascinating group. So, um, yeah, we're running a wee bit um, more than what we're planning, but it's been it's been good, the chat today. <coughs> so I'm just going to ask you um, one more big question. Um, you knew this was coming. So if you were to pick a six-a-side Wales team, who would be in it? <sighs> Just kind of clarify, can I pick like, anyone of any era or is it just now? Uh, no, from your lifetime. So when you first started really following football lifetime. to now. Ooh, so you can yeah, pick well, them or South off if you want. <laughs> it has to be. It has yeah. to be. I mean, the, he was the, the, greatest keeper, the greatest keeper I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, kind of class warrior, social justice hero as well. He soon turned out to be. Yes. Um, I'm so glad we've got him and like in, in England have got Peter Shilton, <laughs> who's turned out to be right number um so yeah um so with these things I, I agonize about formation you see that's that's, that's the problem so there's one i got five so what do i go three do i go two two three two anyway um kevin ratcliffe and i'm tempted to say danny gabadon but ratcliffe is was about as quick as as any defenders has ever been so we don't need any pace so i'm gonna go for ashley williams in the back. Um, so you've got strength, poise, steel, commanding presence, and you've got all of just the versatility and the, and the pace of, of Ratcliffe. It was a, a top, top quality um, 
centre back. Um, uh, you've got to have Ramsey and Bale in there. Clearly, um, I'm tempted to have um, Joe Allen, but I think I think I'd probably stick Mark Hughes in there. Big fan of Mark Hughes as a kid. Um, that's your six and eight team, and that's my six. And I haven't even picked the in rush. That's just <laughs> mental. No, just mental. But you can't you can't leave, you can't leave Bella Ramsey out either. So, yeah. but really hard, really really hard. I mean, you've got and six and eight. To be fair, as long as you've got runners, you know you could get away with a back win if you've got a strong enough forward line that just keeps everyone else back. But um, no, I'm, I'm sticking with well. <laughs> Big Nev the size he is these days. He's goalkeeper and defence, so maybe I don't need any defenders. Um, but <laughs> um, we just get him to just to just to you know practically fill 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 the goal. But um, that's harsh. Nev, I, I I got to interview Nev at my kids' school um, a couple of years ago. Um, he came did a talk about mental health and well-being. He's an absolute legend, and I I was very starstruck. Um, I bet he was. Yeah, he was. He was wonderful. Every, every bit as as lovely. As you as you would think, and, and as you would hope, but 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 he is that. It was it was it was lovely. Yeah, comes across a humble guy. And uh, just before we wrap up, Russell, um, um, just to, for people who might want to listen to um, your podcast, um, just um, tell us about the Twitter handles and where you can find it. So we're on. So we host it on WordPress. Uh, cause we've got a blog there as well. We haven't put a huge amount up on that lately, actually. Um, so that's uh, all the W's podcast Peldroid.cymru. Um, and uh, P-E-L-D-R-O-E-D for the non-Welsh-speaking listeners of this podcast. Um, and then it's Podcast Peldroid, just simply on the, on the Twitter and on Instagram as well. Not we do a huge amount on there. Um, and that's, that's, that's it, really. Um, you know, we, 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 we will keep going. We, we do a lot about, you know, if people are interested in the heritage of the game, we do a lot of the look at the game or, or look at issues to do with culture, society, language, identity, politics, through the medium of football as well. So it's not, you know, we don't just do, you know, the next coming games, review the games, on-field matters. Um, we do a lot around, you know, we've done stuff about kits, museums, um, wow. you know, stories, travelling away, all that kind of stuff as well. So, you know, maybe people who are just interested in the game generally might find some of that older content really, really good as well, perhaps. So, yeah, it'd be good to, good to have some listeners along. Yeah, fantastic. We'll certainly to, um, you know, promote this when, we, when the podcast goes out. But Russell, um, thanks very much for your time and uh, good luck. And hopefully both our nations will be in the next round, although there's a good chance it might be in another one, but we'll wait and see. But good luck in the turn, <laughs> Russell. <laughs> yeah, no, I hope, I hope you enjoy it. You, you're going to have a smashing time and um, yeah, just make, make the most of it because, um, you know, it could be, could be a long wait again. Who knows? I hope it's not an R23. Cheers, Russell. Thank you. <laughs> But I'll give you one more chance Yes sir, I can boogie